hi everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. Thank you to all the regular listeners who uh, tune in every day. I hope you're getting a lot out of this podcast. Um, I certainly do as part of the research that I do to get ready for this podcast. I think it's always really good to go back to the literal sense of the scriptures. We should always start with that. What was the original author trying to convey to his audience? And often we discover a whole level of richness that we never even have heard before. And that's what this podcast is all about. Today we're continuing in Mark. We're in Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. Returning from the district of Tyre, Jesus went by the way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee, right through the Decapolis region. And they brought him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech. And they asked him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, put his fingers in the man's ears, and touched his tongue with spittle. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed, and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the ligament of his tongue was loosened, and he spoke clearly. And Jesus ordered them to tell no one about it. But the more he insisted, the more widely they published it. Their admiration was unbounded. He has done all things well, they said. He makes the deaf hear and the dumb speak. So, uh, the first thing to notice is that while the last verse is fresh in your memory there, he makes the deaf hear and the dumb speak. Those words should be familiar to you if you go to Mass regularly, because... Uh, that's part of the blessing that's given to, uh, uh, as part of the baptism for infants. Uh, so the child is baptized and then the priest usually comes around and sort of does the sign of the cross on uh, the mouth and the ears of the person who's been baptized. And the priest says, the Lord makes the deaf hear and the dumb to speak. And that actually comes from this verse here. So this particular story we're looking at here is only found in Mark, uh, which is quite interesting because... We're quite used to having uh, stories in Mark show up in Matthew and Luke because Matthew and Luke copy pretty much everything that's in Mark and then they modify it slightly. But this is one story that neither Matthew, Luke or John took from Mark for whatever reason they decided not to include it. So this is the only place you'll hear this story in the entire New Testament. And that could be because it's so graphically physical. Uh, Jesus does some quite physical things here and perhaps the gospel writers felt that their audiences might not be comfortable with it. Who knows? We're just guessing. So verse 31 at the start here, he returns from the district of Tyre. So he's returning from the northern region he was just in, which is Tyre. That's where he healed the Syrophoenician woman's daughter in our last podcast. And then Mark says he returned from Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, right through the Decapolis region. Some scholars have looked at this and said that Mark is a bit geographically confused here because if you look at a map, that route doesn't really make sense. Uh, Mark here says he went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. But if you're coming out of Tyre, to go to Sidon, you actually would have to go a long way out of the way to the north and then go all the way back south again to go to the Sea of Galilee. And then it's sort of another way out to the east again to go to the Decapolis region. So it's most likely that what Mark is doing here is he's giving us an abbreviated way of saying that Jesus did a long, wide circle tour of the surrounding Gentile regions. 
before he comes back to the Sea of Galilee. So this is Mark's way of saying, uh, of summarizing Jesus' Gentile ministry to various Gentile lands, which Mark says he did before he went back to the Sea of Galilee, the Jewish area. And this trip probably spans some months, so we get to hear one healing story here, but we don't get to hear a lot of what Jesus did. So uh, this is an important principle that we need to keep in mind. There's probably a whole lot of stuff Jesus did that we don't get to hear about. And this trip of Jesus spanned quite a few months. So he's going, he ends up at the end of this trip here that we're about to hear about. He ends up in a place called the Decapolis, which is to the southeast of the Sea of Galilee. And if you've been following this podcast, you remember that Jesus has actually been here once already in the Gospel of Mark. So the last time he was in the Decapolis, he cast the demons out of the pigs and the people asked him not to return. Sorry, he cast the demons into the pigs and he cast the demons out of the demoniac. And remember in that story, the demoniac went and told the whole town about Jesus. So possibly since then, their hearts have been softened through the preaching of the demoniac. He was essentially the first Gentile uh, convert or preacher of the kingdom of God. And so perhaps people have now heard about him through the demoniac and they're more welcoming of him. Verse 32, they brought to him, so some of the Gentile crowd uh, bring to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech. So this guy has both conditions. Probably means he might struggle to get employment and therefore he'd be a poor outcast in society. They asked Jesus to lay his hands on him. So they've heard that Jesus can heal people when he lays his hands on them. Actually, Jesus doesn't do this here. Jesus doesn't really lay his hands on the man. He does something else. So he takes the man aside in private. So apparently he doesn't want the crowd to see this particular healing. Or it could be that he understands the needs of this man and he knows that this man would prefer not to be publicly healed. He knows that the man needs a private encounter with Jesus, which of course is an important principle for us as well. So Jesus put his fingers into his ears, which might seem strange, but if we think about it, it's I guess the most obvious way that Jesus can make contact with the interior of the man's ears is to put his fingers in there. Uh, And that would have cured the, the deafness, the healing for the deafness. But then he hasn't healed the speech impediment yet. So then Jesus touched the tongue with spittle. So firstly, Jesus spits to create spittle. He puts spittle on his own hand. And then Jesus puts his hand into the man's mouth and touches his tongue. So perhaps the idea here is that the holiness of Jesus' own mouth and saliva has the power to cleanse other people's mouth conditions. Uh, And we know that in the ancient world, saliva was considered to be quite powerful and to have therapeutic benefits. So he does the ears and then he puts the saliva on the man's tongue. And then verse 34, Jesus looks up to heaven. So that's probably like a mental prayer to God. Jesus does a silent prayer. And then Jesus does something strange. He sighs, or another translation is he groaned. This is the only place in the Gospels where Jesus groans, and it's not entirely clear why Jesus does this. It's probably, or what some scholars have suggested, is that he's so grieved and saddened at the effects of the fall on man. So he's looking at this man who has all these conditions, and he feels sorry for the man. He's so grieved that the fall in the Garden of Eden has resulted in man being cursed, and he's grieved to see this in people. 
This same word for groaned, although it's not used in the Gospels, it does appear later in the New Testament. In Paul's writings, you'll know, you'll probably remember that Paul says, the Spirit makes inexpressible groanings as it intercedes for us. And that's in Romans 8 verse 26. Same word there used for groaning. So just as Jesus intercedes for the man here, the Spirit intercedes with groanings for us. And Jesus says this word in Aramaic, Ephatha, which translates as be opened. So Mark here has included the actual Aramaic and then the translation in the Greek. Usually he just skips the Aramaic and just gives it to us all in Greek. So why does he include the Aramaic here? Probably because it made such a deep impression on the original disciples. They remembered exactly what Jesus said. And Mark includes it here for his Aramaic-speaking hearers so that they can hear the strength, the very words that Jesus spoke. Now, notice here that to heal the man, Jesus has to do something physical and then say certain words in order for the healing to happen. He needs both of them, apparently. This is similar to what the church does in the sacraments today. It needs There needs to be some sort of physical form and then some sort of words said. So there's an interesting connection there. Verse 35, his ears were opened, so the man's... Um, ears opened, and then the ligament of his tongue was loosened, and he spoke clearly. So that implies there's some part of his mouth that wasn't working properly that was causing his speech impediment, and that's now healed. So Jesus heals both the man's conditions here, his deafness and his speaking problem. Perhaps for some of Mark's readers, this healing of both conditions would help them see Jesus as fulfilling roles that only Jesus, or only God can fulfill. So in Exodus 4, verse 11, God says this, Who gives one man speech and makes another deaf and dumb? Or who gives sight to one and makes another blind? Is not I the Lord? So perhaps um, Mark's readers might have made a connection here that might have hinted that Jesus is God. So then Jesus orders them to tell no one about it. So Jesus, again, like many places in Mark, he doesn't want word to spread about him too quickly. Otherwise, his ministry could get too big uh, and it'll be cut short and things won't go to plan. So Jesus has a plan of how he wants his ministry to look and he's always careful to make sure that people don't spread the word too quickly. But they don't listen. This is really interesting. It says here that the more he insisted, so this implies that Jesus was earnestly and repeatedly telling them, please don't spread the word, but the more he insisted, the more widely they published it. Or another translation is, the more zealously they proclaimed it. So the word about Jesus spreads throughout the Gentile territory again. Verse 37, their admiration was unbounded, our translation says, or another translation is they were astonished beyond measure. And this is what they say. He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the dumb speak. So in other words, he can do even the hardest of things. He makes even the deaf hear and the dumb speak. So remember, this is a Gentile crowd, so they probably don't have any concept of the Messiah. So they wouldn't fully understand his identity. All they know is that he can indeed do miracles. They've seen it with his own eyes that he can heal any ailment. And that's quite incredible. So the healing we've just seen here, it might strike some readers as quite uh, crudely physical. Jesus putting his fingers in someone's ears and spitting on his finger and putting his own saliva in another man's tongue. 
Well, in a sense, this the Bible here is affirming uh, that God's profound respect for the body as a vehicle of divine grace. Some people, like the Gnostics, would say that God only works on the spiritual plane, but here, Mark and Jesus clearly teach us that the body and physical gestures are important for bringing about changes in the soul. So it brings, it highlights the sacramental quality of the body. The body can be a sign and instrument of divine grace. And Jesus' work in the kingdom of God involves the healing of the whole body and the whole soul. And there's a uh, a deep link there between the body and the soul, and that's brought out more in Catholic teaching. So, how does the Catholic Church develop further teachings uh, based on this passage? Where would we see it in the Catechism? So, in paragraph 1504, which is about Christ as the healer, it says, Often Jesus asks the sick to believe. He makes use of signs to heal, spittle and the laying on of hands, mud and washing. The sick try to touch him, for power came forth from him and healed them all. And so in the sacraments, Christ continues to touch us in order to heal us. And then in paragraph 1151, which is in the section about signs and symbols, there's an interesting reference to Jesus' um, use of his body here. Paragraph 1151 of the Catechism says, In his preaching, the Lord often makes use of the signs of creation to make known the mysteries of the kingdom of God. He performs healings and illustrates his preaching with physical signs or symbolic gestures. He gives new meaning to the deeds and signs of the old covenant, above all to the Exodus and the Passover, for he himself is the meaning of all of these signs. So here the church teaches that Jesus has no problems using physical signs, both as part of his healing process and also as symbols of himself and of his salvation that he brings to the world. Thanks for listening again today. I hope you learned something new. Please continue to talk to other people about this podcast, share an episode with them, leave a rating on iTunes so that more and more people can be exposed to it. And I'd love to hear from you through the various channels. Uh, If you do want to get in touch with me at the podcast, you can find out information in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks for listening.